Well, the church's foundation is Jesus Christ, and uh, that principle is taken from uh, this passage right here where Paul talks about laying down a foundation, a foundation that cannot be changed or altered. There's no substitute. There's no alternative. The church is built on Jesus Christ, and what we're going to learn today is that in building the church, a church must be fixed on the right foundation and made with the right materials. Fixed on the right foundation and made with the right materials. Paul had just talked to the church at Corinth using an agricultural metaphor. He had said that they were God's field. And if you look at verse 9 of chapter 3, he says, you are God's field. And then he says, God's building. And so he's talking about these two different metaphors. He's talking about a field metaphor and a building metaphor. Let me break it down for you here. So in chapter 3, verse 5 to 9, he talks about God's field. Paul was the one who planted. Apollos was the one who watered. And God was the one who was giving the growth. Now there's a new metaphor that he's using. We're moving from a field to a building. Paul is no longer planting, but he's the one laying the foundation. Apollos is out of the picture. Now he's going to use three different examples of others who are building on that foundation. And God is not the one who's giving the growth in the field, but now he's the one who is to judge the work that is being done. And so this is where we're headed today, looking at this foundation and the building that is taking place and God who is going to judge the work. Notice what Paul says in verse 10. He says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid the foundation. Paul understood grace. He knew that he was saved by grace, and he knew that he was called to serve as a minister of the gospel by grace. The privilege of serving is a gift. The people that welcomed you on the way in as ushers, the, the people that are serving as, as elders or as staff members, the people who are over in Hope Kids with our children right now, they have been given a gift. The ability and the capacity and the calling to serve the Lord is a gift. It's not an obligation. It, it's not something we have to do, loved ones. It's something we get to do. We don't roll out of bed and kind of grudgingly, oh, I'm going to serve the Lord today because I, I have to. No, it is a, the, the opportunity to serve the Lord is a gift. That's how Paul understood it. Paul knew he didn't earn it. It was something God had given to him. And then he describes himself as a skilled master builder. Now, this comes through in some of our English translations, but doesn't come through in the ESV here. So let me just let you know that that word skilled there is the Greek word sophos, sophia, wisdom. Paul is saying like a wise master builder. And if you've, if you've been tracking with us through the book of 1 Corinthians, you know how significant that is because the church at Corinth was obsessed with worldly wisdom. And all through chapter 1 and through chapter 2, Paul was saying, forget worldly wisdom. I decided to know nothing about, about anything except Christ and him crucified. And then Paul turned the tables in chapter 2 and said, but there is a spiritual wisdom that I want you to pursue. And now Paul says, like a wise Master builder, like, a, like someone filled with wisdom, I laid this foundation. And he says that the foundation 
in verse 11, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's only one foundation. Paul here is hearkening back to prophecies made back in the book of Isaiah 28, verse 16, where God says, behold, I'm laying, I, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. That means will not be shaken. That if you're fixed on the foundation, you, you are, you're permanently placed there. You won't be in haste. You won't be shaken. You won't be disturbed. God had promised that he was going to lay this stone and that people could attach their lives there and never be shaken. That's what Paul is talking about here when he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is that stone. After Peter told Jesus that he was the Christ, after he confessed that he was the Christ, the Holy One of God, Jesus said, your name is Peter, which means rock, but on this rock, on the reality that I am the Christ, I will build my church. If a church is not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, it's not a church. End of story. You have no other foundation other than Jesus Christ. There are all kinds of People who are gathering, some of them gather on Sunday, some of them gather on other days of the week, and their foundation is not Jesus. Their foundation is some other prophet, it's some other teacher, it's some other book. They may talk about Jesus, they may talk about the Bible, but they're not founded on Jesus, so they're not a church. But notice here what Paul says, that the work isn't finished. He says, he laid the foundation but others are building on it. Church is a construction zone. There's a, there's a process that is, that is going on. It's not finished. Think about these massive building projects that around the city of Corinth, around the city of Jerusalem. Think about the ancient Roman world and these massive stone structures Many of them took generations to build. The guy who started it, the guy, the architect, the one who got the foundation stone in place, he's, he's, he's lying under another stone. He's six feet underground. He's been dead for years, and other people are trying to finish the project. And what Paul started in Corinth and is, is still being built upon, and, and we are part of that building process. The church is continually being built. And if you look back at verse 10, it says, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Then he says, let each one take care how he builds. Let each one take care how he builds. He says, builder beware. Make sure that you have, that you're building according to code. Make sure that you're, you're following uh, the right processes and protocols and using the proper materials in building the church. He says, everyone who's building needs to take care. You need to listen up and pay attention to make sure that you are building properly. And then as we make our way through the rest of this text, we're going we're gonna to see really there's three scenarios, three different kinds of builders that are mentioned. If you look at verse 12, you see the phrase, if anyone, and then verse 14, if anyone, verse 15, if anyone, and verse 17, if anyone. 
these if anyone's introduce these, these three different unique scenarios. And Paul keeps repeat, repeating that phrase, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone, to highlight three types of builders. And so our outline today, we're just going to walk through builder one and builder two and builder three. And we want to make this, there's a lot of misunderstanding about this passage. A lot of people try to make this passage say something other than what it says. So I just want to be as straightforward and as clear as possible to make sure that we're picking up what the Holy Spirit is putting down here for us today in God's Word. So if we look at verse 12, it says, Now, if anyone... If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So he's laying it out there. There's multiple materials, and there's a judgment that's coming, a judgment by fire. Then look with me at verse 14. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. So there's this builder number one. This builder number one is going to build with lasting materials, materials that will survive the fire that is coming, fireproof materials, and this builder will receive a reward. So builder number one builds with lasting materials and will receive a reward. Now go back with me to verse 13. It says, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. The day. There is a day that is coming. And there's only one day that's described in the Bible, a day that doesn't need any sort of other title other than the day. You know, like on your wedding day, then you you wake up and that that morning, you're like, today's the day, and no one's like, which day? You know which day, because you've been looking forward to this day. You just simply say, today's the day, right? Or if it's a major surgery or a big event, you say, today's the day. Everyone knows. You don't need to call it what it is because everyone knows what it is. So when the New Testament says the day, we're all supposed to know what it is. What is the day? It's the day of the Lord. It's the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's the day where, where the foundation that we all see and believe in and trust in, the whole world, it will be the day when all of us have already bowed our knees and confessed with our mouths, but it's the day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's a day, it's judgment day. And it will be, and people's work will be disclosed on that day day. But look at how it will be disclosed in verse 13. It says, the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and fire will test what sort of work each one has done. When the, pre- when the, when the manifest presence of God, when, when Jesus Christ appears in the sky, on that day, it will be like fire. That should be no surprise. It really should be no surprise. When, when God appeared to Abraham and made that initial covenant with him, it was, it was a flaming torch that came passing through the, the divided animals as a symbol of God's presence. When God appeared to Moses on the bush, the bush was on fire. When God appeared to the whole nation of Israel at Mount Sinai, the mountain was on fire. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, rightly says, our God is a consuming fire. 
And just, just think about creation. So there's planet Earth, and planet Earth is revolving around what? A giant ball of fire. And then all around us, what do we have? More giant balls of fire. Fire is everywhere. We're surrounded by it. It is, the, it is, it is a symbol of the presence of God. And the fire will disclose it. So God comes in as, his building, as a building inspector. You know, you can kind of picture him. He's got the hard hat. He's got the orange vest. He's got the clipboard. He's got the safety goggles. And in walks God. And off comes the jacket. And off come the safety goggles and the helmet. And he pulls out a jerry can. And he starts dousing the place in fuel. Just picture the Lord Jesus Christ doing this. And then it's all doused, and then he, he draws a little bit of a line, and then Jesus has a Zippo lighter, and he sparks it up, throws it behind him, and the whole thing explodes as he walks away. That's the kind of building inspector that Jesus is. He's going to burn it all up. And he's looking for, after it's all burned, he's going to be looking for things like gold. It might be a little bit melted, but it's still going to be there. And silver and precious stones. He's going to be looking for work that was done with the proper materials. And then for those who have built with the proper materials, they're going to receive a reward. So what are the proper materials? What are the things that will last? What are the things that will last? When, when they come in contact with the holy creator of the universe, the king of kings, when they, when they pass through the consuming fire, what are things that will last? Well, many of you are holding it in your lap right now. The word of God will stand forever. All men are like grass and their glory is like the flower of the field, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. So when a church leader who is the builder, these builders are all, are all potential church leaders. When a church leader points people to the word of God and builds the church on the word of God, that is something that's going to survive. The Bible is fireproof. The Bible is going to survive the test. The, the untainted, undiluted unashamed worship of Jesus Christ, where he is at the center of all of our singing and all of our worship, that is something, that's obviously fireproof, because you get to the end, after all the fire revelation, we're still singing, right? So that's something we're all going to keep doing. And so if our church is built on the worship of the Son of God, that's something that is going to last the work of the Holy Spirit, not depending on human wisdom, but depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is eternal. So if we let him lead, then the church will be built on something that will last. Loved ones, we're told in one of the most famous passages of 1 Corinthians of something else that will last. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. For tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Whatever we build, whatever we do in the church that's built upon love, that's built upon faith and hope, 
Those things will last. They are fireproof. They will survive the test. And most of all, whatever we do out of a motivation for a love for God and a love for our neighbor, loved ones, that is what is going to last. Paul's saying here that a, a strong church leader must pursue that which is permanent, must focus on that which is fireproof, and to make sure that the church is being built up with the right materials, fixed on the right, fixed on the right foundation and made with the right materials. Now, some of you might be a little bit thrown off by what Paul says here in verse 14, that this, this church leader, because they built with the right materials, this church leader is going to receive a reward. Do you see that there? And we think, well, I mean, I thought we're all, he said grace at the very beginning. I thought this was all about grace. What's he talking about with reward? Well, remember back when he was talking about the field and the laborers, he said the laborers, they're going to get wages. And there is a, there is a reward. Remember, Jesus told that parable, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little, like here on earth. And I'm going to entrust you with much in the new heavens and the new earth. There's a reward based on this. It's all over the Bible. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't really. Well, let me just tell you. Would you believe it if Jesus told you? Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your, say it with me, reward is great in heaven. Next example. Matthew chapter uh, chapter 6, I think we're looking at next. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no, say it with me, reward from your Father who is in heaven. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that, you, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret, say it with me, will reward you. Look, look at what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 to 24, talking about how slaves should relate to their masters, how we should relate to our employ, employers. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. This is just a couple of examples of, of the rewards that are waiting those who build with the right materials and are fixed on the right foundation. So that's builder one. Everyone clear on builder one? Builder one builds with strong, sturdy, lasting materials and they will be rewarded in the end because it will survive the judgment of Jesus, the building inspector. Here's, here's builder number two. Builder number two builds with temporary materials and builder number two is saved but suffers loss. They're saved but suffers loss. Look with me now at verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So this is the second, if anyone. If anyone was the first builder, their work survived and they're rewarded. The second, if anyone, is a builder who, whose work does not survive and they suffer loss, but they're still Saved. Everything is burned up. Everything, is, everything that they built with is flammable. So going back to Paul's materials list, these are the people who chose to build with wood and hay and straw. These are things that, were, that are, are flammable. Now let's compare these two groups. Wood, hay, and straw on the one side. 
gold, silver, precious stones on the other. One is temporary, and the other is permanent. One is inexpensive. The others are highly costly. One is easy to find. Another is difficult to obtain. One is common. The other is special. One is available in large quantities, and another is scarce. I mean, you could walk across 10th line into the farm. You could easily get some hay and some straw. Like, no problem. I, I, I could take you to uh, all kinds of places in a five-kilometer radius. We can get as much hay and straw as we want. Even if we didn't want to, to pick it out of the field ourselves, we could buy it relatively cheap, couldn't we? Wood. I could take you over to Home Depot. It, it, look, look at the size of that place. People are complaining about the cost of lumber, the cost of building materials today. But listen, do you still want to, do you want to go to Spence Jewelers and buy the same weight in diamonds and, and silver and gold versus lumber? No, it's, it's incomparable, right? One is costly. One is available in, in, in only small amounts. And, uh, uh, the other is it's just flat out cheap in comparison. Paul here is talking about builder number two who's building with cheap materials. Now, what is Paul referring to? We've got to think about the context. What's the wood and the hay and the straw that's on Paul's mind? We'll think back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and chapter 2, what we've been covering so far. Worldly wisdom. The wisdom of this world. I mean, the things, the, the, the people that the, the church at Corinth were trying to, uh, to quote, and, and we, no one even cares about them anymore. The intellectual elites at the time in Corinth, yeah, there's a couple of people studying classical studies in universities who still know about Plato and, and Aristotle. We don't recognize the foundation they have for our society. And yet, these, these things pass. So the, the wisdom of this world is wood, hay, and straw. It's not like the word of God. Focusing on earthly leaders. Remember, they were obsessed. Oh, I follow Paul. I follow Peter. Peter, I follow, I, I, I follow uh, what's the other guy's name? Apollos. Paul said, that's wood, hay, and straw. If you're going to build your church on a person, on a leader, that's just going to get burned up. And then, Lastly, they were, they were following the flesh, weren't they? Paul called them. He said, you're living according to the flesh. So if we build the church based off our fleshly efforts and our simply human thinking without building the church on spiritual things, all of that is going to burn up. And what was true for the church of Corinth is true for us today. If we try to just build our church based off whatever cultural narrative happens to have everyone's attention at the time, Loved ones, those things are just going to pass. That won't last. That won't. So we're just we're just building up wood, hay, and straw. And and if we're if we're building the church up on a particular pastor or staff member or or celebrity down south or something, it's not going to last. So, loved ones, we we must make sure that we are not like this builder. This builder will suffer. Loss in the end. See, here's the thing. Wood, hay, and straw, they're available in large quantities. It's easy to access. It doesn't take a lot of work to get this stuff. 
doesn't cost a lot to acquire it. So you can make something quite large and quite impressive, but it's made out of wooden straw. It's all flammable. It'll make a pretty spectacular fire in the end, but there will be nothing but ash. But to get a diamond, to get gold, to get, you've got to get underground. You gotta work hard, you gotta get mining equipment. You, you, it's gonna cost a lot of money, it's gonna take a lot of time, and so loved ones, if we're going to build a church that will last, it's gonna take work. Man, I just, I'm sorry, because it's true of myself, I just love things that are convenient and easy. I just, I just want an app for that, and I don't want to have to fill out more than three fields on any form. I just want, I just name, I want my phone to guess what my phone number is, and I want to click agree to terms and conditions, and I want to get going. I want everything to be easy. Fast food is not fast enough. Convenience stores don't have what would really be convenient for me. And I'm afraid that we too often, and sometimes it's motivated by love. We want to love people by making things easy for people to get involved and helping with our, with our church and, and serving. But sometimes I'm afraid that we all just expect it to be a little bit easy. That we just expect it to be convenient. That we just expect like it's just moving hay, you know, just, and straw, carrying wood. We don't realize that we're mining diamonds. And that we're, that we're moving gold. Gold is heavy. It takes work. And there are all kinds of quick fixes that we think. There's all kinds of things happening in our world. That, oh, we just talk like that. Or if we just start using these buzzwords. Or we just start doing this. It's just wood. It's just hay. It's just straw. It's all going to burn. But loved ones, are we doing the work of building properly. Because this particular builder, everything that they did, all of their work is going to be burned up. Now, it's their work that's going to be burned up. Some uh, churches, particularly the Catholic Church, point to this passage as a proof text for a concept they call purgatory. This idea that Jesus was a pretty good foundation, but not as solid as you might think. <laughs> that his work on the cross wasn't exactly sufficient, it was more in the category of insufficient. And he didn't save you enough on the cross in order to get you into heaven, so you have to go to a place called purgatory where you get burned by fire slowly, purg, purge, you get cleaned in purgatory. You're burned by this fire, and then you're ready. So Jesus, his blood couldn't make you ready for heaven, but purgatory will. And they point to the flames here in chapter 3, verse um, 10 to 17, and say, this is, this is purgatory. That's not purgatory. The person isn't the one getting burned. It's the work. And it's not, a, it's not a fire of purification. Look at it. It's a fire of judgment. It's the fire. It's, it's not getting ready for the day you go to heaven. It is the day. So there's a complete misunderstanding 
of what, of what this passage is about. This builder is a Christian. This builder is a Christian leader who has just wasted their time. They've suffered loss because they're not going to receive the same reward at the end because everything that they built their, their church on top of the foundation was worthless. So there's a Catholic misunderstanding of this passage. There's also an evangelical misunderstanding of this passage. Some evangelical theologians take a look at verses 5 to 9 where Paul was saying, you guys are fleshly Christians. You're carnal Christians. And then they, whoops, whoo, then they stumble in their understanding by skipping, for years people have said that was going to happen to me. That'll never happen. There's a proverb about that, right? Take heed, lest you you fall, yeah. So, I'll just take a step back here. So, evangelicals look at this, look at Paul calling the church at Corinth carnal and fleshly. Then they skip ahead about six verses and they look at this line about saved through fire. And they create this whole theology about, well, you can be a Christian as long as you prayed the prayer you went to a Billy Graham crusade or you went to a summer camp or did something and you, you prayed the prayer, you invited Jesus into your heart. Even though you don't live for Jesus at all, you never go to church, you never grow, you don't produce any fruit in your life, in the end, you're saved through fire. Well, again, this is why we go through the verse, go through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We know it's talking about two different things, right? Verses five to nine is about the church and how they're living fleshly. But verses 10 to 17 is about leaders and how they're building. It's the leader. It's not the, it's not the average church member. It's, he's not talking about being saved through fire. When, he, when, when, the Paul, when the Apostle Paul calls them carnal Christians, fleshly Christians, he's not saying, you're a fleshly Christian, and that's okay. Because in the end, you're just going to be saved by through, you know, as if rescued from a fire. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, you're living like carnal Christians, knock it off. Start living like spiritual Christians. And so, the work that is being burned up here is the work that's being done by a Christian leader that will not last. That's not based on things like the Word and worship and the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer and things that are done in love. So we've got to make sure that we aren't this kind of a builder. Now, again, we've got, to, we've got to pay attention. What is being burned up here? And what is being judged? The fire of judgment. We've got a Christian leader who's building with good materials. We've got a Christian leader who's building with crummy materials. Neither leader is being judged themselves. It's their work that's being judged. Because both builder number one and builder number two are both Christians. Just one has focused on what really mattered and the others has been distracted by the things of this world. If you're a Christian today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you believe that when Jesus died on the cross for your sins, then, then there is no judgment for you. Jesus promised this in John chapter 5, verse 20, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. 
If you're a Christian, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you will not be judged. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. Builder number one is not judged. Builder number two is not judged. So what is being judged? It's their work. It's like what Paul says in Romans 14 verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. What will be judged when all of us, we all, Paul is saying, we all, Paul is a Christian, he's writing to Christians, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There it is again. So each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. It's a judge, a judgment of rewards. It's a judgment of looking at the work that we did, like the parable of the, of, of the, of the talents. What did we do with what God has given us? There will be a reckoning. There will be a judgment in the end. But this builder number two, who builds with temporary materials, they will suffer loss. And what will the loss be? Not the loss of their salvation, but the sense of just wasted time and wasted effort. A sense in which they labored, but they have nothing to show for their labor. So those are the first two builders. Builder number one and builder number two. Then Paul interjects in verse 16 by saying, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Paul says, do you you realize what you're building here? We are building the temple of God. And then he says in verse 17, For if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. So here's the third builder. The third builder is also a spiritual leader, but they don't do any building, actually. They do destructive work. Builder number three destroys the church. It's the third, if anyone. You have if anyone builds with lasting materials, if anyone builds with wood, hay, and straw, and if anyone destroys the church, God says they will be destroyed. And the reason why, the reason why there is destruction awaiting anyone who tries to destroy the church, especially those who claim to be leaders of a church, is because the church is God's temple. This is what we're building. Paul says in in verse 16, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? We are the dwelling place of God. The whole story of the Bible is about the dwelling place of God. A place where the dwelling place of God and the dwelling place of humankind could be one in the same. That the story of creation is God creating a dwelling place for humanity, planet Earth, and, and then a garden, the Garden of Eden. Why? So that Adam and Eve could dwell there and dwell there in the presence of God. It was all about the dwelling place of God. But then Adam and Eve rebelled and sin prevented God from dwelling among his people. But then God had the people of Israel build the tabernacle. And again, there's all kinds of fire as a symbol of the presence of God. All of these walls and these barriers and these altars where fire was to be, was to be set and sacrifices were to be made. And so you have the temple, and, and sorry, the tabernacle, and then the temple and all of these things are designed after. There's common, it's all, all the 
all the architecture, all the furniture, it looks like a garden. There's a, there's a lampstand that looks like a tree. There's, there's artwork of pomegranates and fruit. It's, it's like the garden. And then Jesus comes and says he is the dwelling place of God and says that he will build his church and now we, the church, are the dwelling place of God. First Peter says we're living stones being built together. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are being built together into a spiritual house. You know, there's something significant about the building materials that Paul mentioned. The gold, the silver, and the precious stones. It's not just that those particular materials last and are fireproof. It's also that these are the very materials that were used to make the temple. Let's, let's compare David's building plan. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, David is getting the people ready to build the temple. He says, I've provided for the house of my God so far as I was able the gold, the silver, and all sorts of precious stones. And Paul here mentions gold, silver, and precious stones and says that we are the temple. But Paul's very concerned about some leaders in Corinth who weren't just building with crummy materials, were actually trying to destroy the church. How do you destroy a church? How do you destroy a temple? Well, one way to destroy a temple is try to take it apart. You, you, take the, you take the stones that have been perfectly set and built together and you try to divide them. And you try to take the stones that have been built up on one another and start to spread them out. And so church leaders and people in the church who try to bring about division through, through gossip or through false teaching or through whatever it may be, that is one way to divide the church. It's one way to try to destroy the temple is to take the stones and separate them from one another. To separate them according to class or according to skin color or according to background or according to political views. To divide the church this way or that way is a way that the church can be destroyed. Another way to destroy the church is not just to divide it, but to defile it. To, you know, if you want to destroy a building, you could take the building apart or you could just allow stuff like rust and mold and other things to start to grow in the building so that the building begins to disintegrate and collapse in on itself. And when a church begins to tolerate sin and stops pursuing holiness, particularly when the leaders stop pursuing a holy life, the church becomes defiled, just like the temple would get filled with idols and many times throughout Israel's history would need to be, get cleansed out. A healthy church, a strong church, a church that will last is a church that is not defiled, a church that pursues holiness in every area of our lives. So you can try to divide a church, you can try to defile a church, but really the, the, the easiest way to destroy a building is just to start disconnecting the building from its foundation. Like, if you really want to do it and do it fast, you don't start with the chimney and the roof. You, you start at the bottom because if you deal with the if you disconnect the building from the foundation, if you disrupt the foundation, the whole thing is going to fall. And Paul, 
Obviously, Paul is concerned because he keeps talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. He's concerned that the church at Corinth, that there are some leaders saying, ah, this is a pretty good foundation, the whole Jesus and the gospel, the cross. But I think we should build, a, we should build the church on something over here. And that building is just going to fall. Apart from the foundation, the church is not a church. God's temple is holy, it says, and we are that temple. You see, these, this last group, this, this last if anyone, this last category of builder, these, these are not builders. They're, they're, demolition, they're a demolition crew. They're not pastors. They're not shepherds, loved ones. They're wolves. And whatever it is, division or defilement, tolerating sin, or focusing on another foundation apart from Christ. Loved ones, get out of that building because it's going gonna, it's gonna to collapse. And there will be judgment on that person. This person isn't described as being saved as though through fire. This person is going to be destroyed. This person is not a follower of Jesus Christ. They might say all of some of the right things, there may be a demonstration of spiritual power in their lives, but they are not. Let's run away from them. But this whole building idea, Paul talks about these three categories of spiritual leaders who are building on the foundation. But this building business isn't just for pastors or elders. This building idea is for all of us. Paul is really laying the groundwork for what he's going to say in the rest of this letter. He's going to continually talk about building. Let, let me show you what I mean. First Corinthians 8, when he's talking about uh, food sacrificed to idols, he talks about knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. That's one of the lasting materials that we're supposed to use. First Corinthians 10, 23, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things are not all things build up. When we have to make a decision about what do I do as a Christian, we don't make that simply in isolation. We have to think about how our decisions will affect other Christians because we all have to build up the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 14, when he's talking about spiritual gifts and the people with tongues and prophecy, they were taking center stage. And Paul says, so with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. This is what we need to do, building up the church. And then in verse 26, what then, brothers, when you come together, each has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, let all things be done for building up. We all are supposed to build up. Now let me just share with you a, it's a bit of an illustration that we talk a lot about here at Hope Church. A lot of people, when they come to church, they expect church to be something like this, just sort of a comfy, well-decorated, um, clean living room. It's just a place where I come, I sit, I hear some teaching, I talk to some people, I just come and I have a great time. Many of us came this morning expecting Hope Church to be just like a living room. And many of us have been coming to Hope Church really for a long time, expecting it to be a living room. And when COVID happened, it was like, this is no different. I'm just actually in my living room now. Loved ones, this is not how the New Testament expects church to be. It's not just a place where you come and sit. It's supposed to be a place where you come and serve. Loved ones, this is what we should have in our minds when we come to Hope Church every Sunday. 
The next slide, not this. <laughs> Is there one more slide? Yeah, one more slide. There we go. We're coming to build. Did you come to build this morning? Did, did you come with steel toes on and a work belt? Did, did you come ready to work? Because we're going after gold, silver, and precious stones. We're, 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 we're building something, and it's going to cost a lot, and it's going to take a lot of time. It's, it's not just like 70 minutes on a Sunday morning. We, we all need to have that mentality of building. We're all coming to build. Now, imagine in your, in your own house that, uh, let's say, your in-laws are getting older, you're getting ready to have them move in, you're, you're building a, a granny suite, you're, you're renovating your house, or let's say you're expecting a new baby at home, and you're, you're nesting, and you're, you're setting up a nursery, right? Now, if it's your in-laws, if, if it's this little bit, you're not going to use crummy materials, right? You're not going to go to the scrapyard to get, to get your materials. No, you're going to get the best that you can get, the best that you, and you're going to put in the time and the effort because someone that you care about lives, is going to live in this place. Paul says, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Later in chapter 6, he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit living inside of the individual Christian. The you in chapter 3 is plural. That we are building a place here among us where not just like a loved one has coming to dwell, but where the Holy Spirit is coming to dwell. And is our work and our efforts in building up the church does it, does it reflect the significance of who we are building this place for? What kind of builder are you? What kind of effort are you trusting God in as he gives you grace to be able to serve him as a part of the Hope Church family? Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to spend some time hearing from your word, allowing your spirit to speak to us. God, I pray that you would do a good work in our hearts, Lord. I know there are many right now who are serving regularly, who are investing time and energy on Sunday and beyond to build up the body of Christ, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen and empower them. And Lord, I pray that your word would re-energize and reinvigorate them to, to continue in the hard work of, of ministry. And Lord, I, I pray for those who, uh, who need to step up, who, who need to not come to church to sit, but come to church to serve, who, who, who need to engage in the work that you are doing in building up. Lord, we pray that you would do what only you can do by the power of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, you are our cornerstone. You are the sure foundation. I pray, Lord, that the building that we do in, in our generation and in our, a part of this world, Lord, that our building would be worthy of the foundation that we are building on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.